Greetings everybody, Irv Lindsay here. How you doing? Welcome to the bi-monthly uh, Irv TV Queen City podcast. In this episode, we're going to talk about the uh, Cincinnati subway. And I'm going to dig a little deeper into the subway history than you may have heard before. I'm going to try to, uh, to try to talk about stuff that really has to do with the underlying foundations of the subway, and that's the topic of this week's Queen City podcast here on Earth TV. All right, so um, for source material for today's podcast, I'm going to reference you to a book called Cincinnati's Incomplete Subway, The Complete History. It's by Jacob R. Mecklenburg, M-E-C-K-L-E-N-B-O-R-G. It's an excellent book. I've read most of it. It it is more about the social and political and financial background of the subway. It doesn't really talk so much about how it was built, like structurally speaking. It talks a lot about the events and the people and the politics involved. So if you're interested in that, give this book a read. Now, a lot of you know about the Cincinnati subway, but for those of you that don't know, for my reader, uh, not my readers, but my listeners uh, who are from who are not from Cincinnati, uh, we're going to talk about briefly the history. Uh, this is the history that I think most people that were born in Cincinnati know that we have the largest abandoned subway probably ever made, definitely in the United States. Uh, it's incomplete and it's abandoned. According to Wikipedia, it's a little over two miles in length and is the largest abandoned subway tunnel in the United States, according to Wikipedia. Um, now, it started construction in the early 1900s, and um, prior to this, Cincinnati had a number of public transportation projects. Most of them failed, but the big one that actually succeeded was the streetcar system. And we'll, we'll touch on that just a little bit. Uh, the abandoned... Um, the abandoned subway was abandoned because of escalating costs. Um, here's what happened. They started it just prior to World War One, But then World War One happened and pretty much everything stopped. I don't quite understand it, but it had to do with the city's ability to issue bonds. So, uh, and... That happened, so they it, that delayed a lot of things. By the time World War One was done, the cost had doubled. The original bond was for six million. By the time World War One was over with, the estimated cost was between twelve and thirteen. Once again, this is according to Wikipedia, but I have seen these numbers elsewhere. Uh, various attempts to use the tunnels for mass transit over the years since they were abandoned became unsuccessful. Why were they abandoned? Well, it was a mixture of political squabbling, the Great Depression, and financial woes uh, that just kind of killed it. Now, uh, they are completely abandoned. No rail was ever laid in them. And uh, they, 
If the subway had been successful, it would have made a loop around Cincinnati. It would have gone down modern-day Central Parkway, which cuts right through downtown. It would have gone uh, followed Central Parkway up uh, next to downtown and kept on going up roughly where I-75 runs next to Cincinnati today. It would have gone up to the Norwood Lateral, and then it would have gone uh, from I-75. It would have roughly followed the Norwood Lateral, and then would have pretty much... The plan was for it to loop back down through Hyde Park, kind of in an I-71 type fashion, and it would have connected back up with the Race Street Station downtown. The original subway, originally it started at Race Street. Now there's a Race Street station, and um, it's very reminiscent of some of the older subway systems that we see in Chicago and Boston. Now, why is that? <laughs> why why does it why does it really uh, really resemble those? Well, because uh, some of the experts that worked on the designs and the planning for the Cincinnati subway also worked on Boston and Chicago's rapid transit systems. Um, they come up with uh, four proposals, and you know the powers that be got together and said, "Hmm, we'll choose this one." And um, yeah, that's that. That's kind of how it started. Now uh, they are today. Today, as of 2018, you can't really get into them anymore. For many years, they were open, and if you knew how to get into them, you just get into them. Uh, and slowly over time, they've been closing them up and locking them up more and more and more as time has gone on. Uh, today, they are completely, completely shut down. It's near impossible to get into. I have heard online rumors of people that still know how to get into them. Good luck with that. They used to do, uh, they used to do tours years ago. You could, they would take you over to the Race Street station, open up the doors, and there's, there's some doors and stairs that go down into what would have been the subway. It's at Race Street. If you know where it's at, you can find it. It is locked tight. You're not getting into it from that official stairway. Uh, but you can find videos online of people going down into it. And uh, if you look at it, it's very, very reminiscent of some of the older subway stations in, uh, in Boston. All right, friends, I want to pause for just a moment before we go on to our next segment to mention my YouTube channel, Irv TV. At Irv TV, we explore Cincinnati history. And each week we learn about something new and we do it together. Sometimes we explore abandoned buildings, find lost cemeteries, or learn about important people in Cincinnati history. Cincinnati has such a rich and unique past. And on Irv TV, we explore it together. So go check it out if you haven't already, youtube.com slash Irv TV. And I'm also on Facebook at facebook.com slash Irv TV. Race Street Station. Let's talk about Race Street Station. Now, I have never been in a subway. I'm from Houston. Uh, it's right at sea level, real close to it. And there's no subway in Houston. Uh, 
But um, some of the pictures I've seen, uh, the Race Street station would have had two tracks. It would have had a central um, platform between the two tracks, and there was some stairways that kind of went under so you could get from one side to the other if there was like a train there or something. That's pretty much submerged today because it hasn't been... Uh, all the pictures I've seen of it, it's real murky looking. It's full of water. That un the stairs that go under the tracks. Um, or maybe they go on top. I couldn't tell. The pictures are real sketchy. But uh, it's never been painted. It's never been tiled. It's never been um, never been used at all. At all. It's very creepy. It is. It's very creepy. Now let's talk about what happened in Cincinnati that led up to... A subway. Now, um, there was a, a man who was in charge of the um, who was in charge of the political machine here in Cincinnati. Imagine me if you're listening uh, and you're not on YouTube. Imagine me throwing up the air quotes around that political machine. Um, his name was his his nickname was Boss Cox. And he had been involved in Cincinnati politics for a very long time. And um, uh, there was a number of projects that they had attempted that were big time failures. All right. So one of the precursors to the subway was the Deer Creek Tunnel. Uh, now, the Deer Creek Tunnel was, was very interesting uh, the Deer Creek Tunnel was supposed to have gone uh, from downtown. It would have gone up kind of like where I-75 goes up now, if I'm not mistaken. And it would have gone up into um, kind of up north and, and, and east. Um, just like a lot of these early attempts to move people from downtown out of downtown because downtown was getting very claustrophobic <laughs> and they wanted people to move out of downtown. And so there was a number of, uh, they tried to dig this tunnel. It didn't work. They ran out of funding. Does this sound familiar? They ran out of funding. Then they ran out of public support and uh, they just kind of abandoned the tunnel. Interesting thing about this tunnel, it was discovered years later uh, while they were, um, trying to build something and a backhoe, a big giant backhoe, uh, or a track hoe as the, the, the book calls it actually fell into the tunnel and it collapsed. Uh, it would, they didn't know they were on top of it. Uh, so there's, there's lots of examples of this type of stuff and it's, uh, it, it's, it's interesting this so this political machine. Let's talk about the political machine. Uh, Boss Cox, his um, the house that he lived in is now a library. It's out off of Clifton. I believe it's the Clifton Branch Library now. You can actually walk up and just go in what used to be the house of the most powerful man in Cincinnati. I've done a video there, uh, and. He, uh, he, he thought this was a good idea and he, he's the one that was responsible for getting the support for it and for getting the financing and the bonds all put together for it. And then what happened? He died. 
That's right. About the time they started construction, he died. And so what happened? Well, this the new mayor uh, took over and um, because Boss Cox had been very influential in the canal lease and a lot of the stuff that went into... We'll talk about the canal, too. Let's talk about that in a minute. Um, he was very influential in all of this stuff. And so when he died, a man by the name of Murray Seasongood uh, took over. And I think he must have been a political enemy because when he, when season good took over the politics after Cox died, he took it as his personal uh, plan, his plot <laughs> to completely eliminate any and all projects that uh, George Cox had been involved in. And one of the first things he went after was the Cincinnati subway. Now, I can't go into the complete details of it because, honestly, a lot of the history of the Cincinnati subway and why it died uh, is very dry. It's kind of boring, I'm not going to lie. And it is um, it's <laughs> not something I can really make a vlog out of, you know what I mean. So, suffice it to say that uh, the subway was kind of under in an underhanded type of way was killed by the new mayor. They went on a propaganda um uh they put out a lot of propaganda against the subway. They they uh put out a report that said that it was designed for smaller cars that they they didn't want to use that that it couldn't be used with the full size cars that it wasn't made that the platforms were wrong and they, that, that that's all incorrect because when they built the subway they didn't know if they were going to be using steam engines or electric cars so they actually built these huge vents into the top of the subway and if you look at any of the really old photos of Central Parkway, which Central Parkway runs right on top of the subway. So if you're driving down Central Parkway, chances are there's subway right under your car, right under your feet. Um, and uh, one, of, one of the, that was one of the, one of the things that we did get out of the subway project was we got Central Parkway and they went on this beautification project. They knocked down all the old nasty buildings and they, um, it looks it looked a lot better, but if you look at some of those really old photos when Central Parkway was brand new, <laughs> you'll see these big giant square things sticking up in the middle of the road. And if you watch my video, uh, that's where you can see some of those photos. It's called a Liberty Liberty Station Then and Now. Uh, if I remember, I'll leave a link. But you guys know that I'm oh, I'm horrible about remembering stuff like that. You can see in that video some some of the old photos, both inside the subway, you could see light streaming in through what looked like giant skylights. And if you look up on top, you'll see these big giant boxes in the middle of the intersections. Yeah, those were giant vents. Because <laughs> they thought they might possibly be using um, uh, some of the... Um, gas-powered, fuel, uh, diesel-powered, I don't know, whatever whatever they burned back then, they, they figured they were going to be putting out exhaust. So they, they were exhaust vents. 
Um, once the once the subway completely collapsed, they did go along Central Parkway. They pretty much covered up anything and everything they didn't need. And today there is almost no uh, there's almost no sign at all that the subway was ever there. So what do they use the subway for today? That's an excellent question, my friends. An excellent question. Um, over the years, the subway has been used for a number of projects. Um, and um, one of the projects, well, it's currently used as a utility route. I mean, it makes a great utility route for underground water mains and all that type of stuff. Um, but um, back during the Cold War, it was used as uh, they put a they use one of the stations as a giant uh, fallout shelter. It's a perfect fallout shelter. It's underground. Uh, it it fulfills all the requirements of being a fallout shelter due to the way it was constructed and everything. It's basically a giant underground bunker if you want to think about it that way. Um, so uh, during World War II. Uh, the tunnels were suggested as possible air raid shelters. The idea was never implemented, but if you think about it, once again, it's a giant underground bunker. Uh, underground storage and commer of commercial and military supplies was also proposed, um, or as a pathway to bring freight right into the heart of the city. Uh, once again, all these ideas were rejected, um, you know, for whatever reason. So after World War II, um, when all the city planning was happening and there was tons of money floating around all the way up into the 1970s for urban renewal, for some reason it was never included in any plans, not really, not seriously. Um, they used the, uh, the right-of-way that they possessed, that, they, that the government had established for the for uh for the subway they used it for the i-75 and norwood lateral routes that we use today for automobiles folks at some point they decided that the main mode of transportation that they wanted us to use here in the united states was automobiles furthermore they convinced us to privately finance our automobiles and it was a it was a win-win situation for pretty much everybody, the government didn't have to pay for our transportation. They had to pay for upkeep for it. And although a lot of cities still had buses, uh, eventually buses, but early on streetcars and subways, um, it, it was a win for them because eventually they convinced us just to buy cars. And here in Cincinnati, they, they went all the way. They went, they went all out for the whole car plan. Turning all of the original subway routes eventually became freeways for automobiles. Um, now, what else? Uh, in the 1950s, a massive 52-inch, a massive 52-inch water main was laid in the northbound tunnel, and they saved three hundred thousand dollars not having to dig a new tunnel for the water main. Why not? You know, it's already there. Might as well use it for something if they're not going to use it for, well, for a subway. Um, um, the subway bonds were paid off in 1966, took them 50 years, uh, total cost of $13 million or thereabouts. 
And um, there, you know, I've heard rumors. I don't know if this is true that uh, the subway tunnels were used to store alcohol during prohibition. Is that true? Has anybody heard that? It would have been a great place to stash bootleg wine, bootleg alcohol, wine, whatever. Um, and uh, yeah, that, that's really cool. Now, one of the one of the stations. What stations? Let's talk about what stations there were. There were a number of stations that were built. Let me see if I can find the list. I I have the list here. Um, let's see. I know there is a station. There's a station at Race Street that is by far the largest. If you can find, there are pictures of most of these out there. Several urban explorers have been out and have walked the entire length of the subway have taken some great photographs. There's some really great stuff out there, guys. Uh, the one at Race Street was really huge, and they were built by different companies. I'm not sure how that worked. But at Race Street, there's a big giant brick wall built at the end of it because they were going to build more. They were going to build, I think, what they called an L an L, L route or an L train. That was, that was supposed to have gone from downtown. I was going to go east and then, well... East, you guys, east is this way, <laughs> but it would have gone, uh, it would have gone east and then north, up towards, uh, uh, up to Norwood, and that was never built. That particular route was planned but not built. Um, geez, I know I just saw a list. Okay, so there's one at Race, uh, Race Street. There's another one at Liberty Street. Uh, there's another one at a little tiny, little tiny spot called Brighton's Corner. Uh, yeah, so there's one up uh, up at Brighton's Brighton Place, Brighton's Corner, uh, and uh, it's near the old uh, Brighton Bank building, uh, which is still there. I don't think anybody's using that building today. I did a video at Brighton's Corner showing some before and after videos once again. If I remember, I'll put a link to it somewhere, uh, somewhere in a video. You'll be able to see it. If you click on the little info button, little I button right up there, you'll probably find a list of these videos uh, if you do that. Um, yeah, so um, in 2008, according to Wikipedia, it was estimated it would cost $2.6 million dollars to simply keep maintaining the tunnels. Wow, that's a lot of money. $19 million to fill the tunnels with dirt and $100 million to revive the tunnels for modern subway use. That is crazy. Um, problem is relocating a 52-inch water main would cost $14 million. So uh, currently, it's a water main tunnel. <laughs> And uh, it also has some fiber optic cables down there for probably for internet or something or the phone company. Um, you can, once again, if you, I've never been in the tunnels. They're uh, marked as no trespassing. I don't trespass. But, um, ah, here's a list of seven stations. Seven stations were completed. Um, four were underground. There were actually three above ground stations that sat, and you can find pictures of those online. They sat for many, many years. They're not, the pictures aren't very good either. Um, and, uh, see, so they were built around 19, in the 1920s. So they sat around until I think the 1950s. They were made of cement with rebar, rebar reinforced cement. And um, after sitting for all that time, they were kind of crumbling, and they eventually tore them down. Uh, about the time I-75 was built in the 1960s uh, is when that happened. Uh, the underground stations are Race Street, Liberty Street, Lynn Street, 
and Brighton Station. The one at Liberty Street, I think, was the one that they set up. It's, And you can find the platform entrance for the Liberty Street Station right in front of the old Warner Brothers building at Liberty Street and Central Parkway. Um, it's very big, huge metal plates that are um, locked shut. Um, and welded in place right there in the middle of the sidewalk. That's where the entrance to that is, I'll tell you that right now. The other entrances are small hatches. The reason why the one at Liberty Station is larger is because it was set up at one point to be a fallout shelter, so they wanted a lot of people to be able to get in through it. But uh, uh, that's not really the case today. But um, the other ones are just smaller single door hatches that pull up. If you look closely, you can find the one at Brighton Station. You can also find the one for the Race Street Station. Uh, I've never found the one for Lynn Street. Um, I've never walked on down to Lynn Street and walked around and looked for it though. Maybe that'll do that on a video one of these days. Um, and Race Street was the big one. It was the big one. That was the one that really, when you see pictures of it, see video of it, it's very reminiscent of some of the really large subway stations in Boston. Um, so, uh, all right, guys. That pretty much wraps up this Irv TV Queen City podcast. Uh, if you like this, let me, let me, if you're still around, don't, don't click stop quite yet. Um, so, the plan for podcasts eventually it's going to be the first and third monday mornings of the month i'll probably actually post them on sunday nights the sunday night prior to the first and third mondays which means some months at the end of the month if there's if there's a couple of mondays if there's a five monday month it's only gonna be the first and third mondays right now everything is out of whack because the way i started it so eventually we're going to sync up to that first and third Monday, and that's what I'm going to stick to. But it will be only twice a month, and um, I have a number of outlets, guys. If you want to know where you can find it, I am on iTunes, uh, and I am on anchor.fm slash TV. That's the easiest way to find me. But if you go to, um, if you go to anchor.fm slash TV, you'll find a list of podcast carriers that carry my podcast you'll find it there so if you don't want to go to anchor if you don't want to go to itunes i think i'm on shoutcast for instance those links can be found on my anchor page guys i appreciate it appreciate everybody listening those of you on youtube appreciate you watching uh enjoy the rest of your week keep fighting a good fight and hey i'll see you in the next podcast <laughs>